Hi, it's Dr. Ayomide here, and welcome to Master Plan Marriage, where we focus on the master and his plans for all marriages, mine and yours included. Come, grab a seat, get comfortable. Let's jump right in. Okay, follow me. I promise I'm going somewhere. If I were from a foreign land and someone handed me a pen, but I had never seen one before and I didn't know what it was, let alone what it was for, what would I do? What if I tried to brush my hair with it? That wouldn't work. Or what if I tried to stir my drink with it? It might work, but it wouldn't be the best thing to use, especially if the pen cap is off and now I have ink in my tea. But if someone teaches me all about the pen, what it is and how it works, I can now use it in the best way possible, right? Right. Knowing definition and purpose are keys to proper functioning. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So, we can't build without the Lord at the helm. And when it comes to having a God-honoring marriage... We need to build accordingly. We equip ourselves with God's definition of marriage and its purpose. From there, we can focus on growing. Along the way, if we are ever unsure about any aspect or detail of married life, we point back to the foundation, to the creator and his definition and purpose. Make sense? I hope so. So let's start with the definition. How does the Lord, God Almighty, define marriage? Before we go into the word, I pray that the Holy Spirit gives us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand. Amen? Let's open Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25. I'll wait. (laughs) Okay, okay. Seriously, if you can open it up, open it up then. Not if you're driving, though. Please don't. (laughs) Okay, Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25 reads, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Amen. 
As we read of the very start of creation, we witness the holy matrimony of the very first man and woman, husband and wife. And just to put it out there in case you were wondering, while only the word wife is mentioned here in verse 25, the term husband is also used. We see that in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, which says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Okay, so now that we have that squared away, let's move on. Based on the scriptures we just read, we can draw the following conclusions. There are six in all. Number one, before any and all of creation took place, God's intent was to join Adam and Eve in marriage. Now, God was fully aware of Adam's need for a wife before he created him. When Adam realized that he needed a wife... Or a helper, God executed his plan to create Eve. Listen, y'all, Eve is not a second thought. God is intentional and he knew what Adam needed, but as God so often does, he allows us to see our need before meeting that need. So God allowed Adam to recognize his need by first giving him the responsibility of taking care of and naming all the animals in the kingdom. God waits for Adam to have his own light bulb moment. And that is when God executes his plan that he had all along and created Eve. Two, marriage is an institution created by God. Not by government, this king, that president, this Congress, or some major organization. Before all those things or people existed, God is and was and will always be. So to be clear, there may be man-made laws that govern the land. God's word, though, should govern our lives. Let's keep that in mind as we move on to the next few. Three, marriage is the union or joining together of one man and one woman by God. Four, Marriage is between one man, husband, and one woman, wife. Five, marriage is the spiritual and natural process in which one man and one woman become one flesh. Six, in a marriage, the husband is the leader and the wife is his helpmate. Now, helper is not a subordinate or punitive term but an honorable term. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's the third person of the Godhead and equally God. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So if the Holy Spirit being equally God is called helper, that same term, it's not punitive, it's not less than, but a term of honor. I'll stop right there. There is more to say about each of these points, and we will go into more depth, but I really want you to think about all that was just read and said. Like, review the scriptures. Think about how you've viewed marriage and how it aligns with the Word of God. Next up 
is a very important detail that often gets overlooked when talking about marriage. See, marriage, as designed by God, is a covenant. We'll talk about that next time. Until then, love ya. Bye.